here's Pam Grossman reading Alice Notley's All My Life. All my life, since I was ten, I've been waiting to be in this hell here with you. All I've ever wanted and still do. Hi, I'm Alex. And I'm Dorothea. We are the Astro Poets, and we're so excited to welcome Pam Grossman to our show. Uh, Today, she is our first guest. Our first witch on the podcast. Our first witch, our first guest, and our first Aquarius on the podcast. Our first Aquarius in this room with us at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We've been in rooms with Aquarians before, alone and otherwise. So we're so excited um, that she's here with us. Welcome. I I am so honored to be here and to deflower Astro Poets (laughs) podcast with you both. I'm going to read a a formal bio for the people, um, just so they know all of your accomplishments. So, um, Pam Grossman is the creator and host of the Witch Wave podcast and the author of Waking the Witch, Reflections on Women, Magic, and Power through Gallery Books, and also What is a Witch through Tin Can Forest Press. Her writing has appeared in such outlets as the New York Times, Time Magazine, Sabbat Magazine, HuffPost, and her Occulture blog, Phantasmophile. She's co-founder of the Occult Humanities Conference at NYU, and her art exhibitions and magical projects have been featured in such publications as Art Forum, Art in America, and The New Yorker. That is a little bit of info about Pam Grossman. You all have to pick up her book because it's already out and really easy to get. It's everywhere books are sold and maybe some places books aren't sold. But yeah, so I first met Pam Grossman last, I believe it was last February because it was the birthday of the woman that made the tarot deck that we used in a class um, that we, you know, took together at a public space. I'm blanking on her name, but she's... Pamela Coleman Smith or yeah. Pixie Smith. Yes, and yeah. Another Pam, you know, in the mix and another Aquarian Pam. Um, And so, yeah, so we met in that class. um, And then um, then your book just came out in June, June 4th. And so we saw each other at the book launch. And we thought that it would be so much fun to have you today to talk with us um, because you do your fabulous podcast and your book is so exquisite. So we thought you'd just be a perfect person to talk with us about astrology and witches and occult and all that good stuff. So first, we're going to look at the poem that Pam read at the beginning. Um, And then we're going to talk about Pam's birth chart. And then we're going to talk to Pam a little bit about the themes of her book, witchcraft, and um, a lot of other stuff that we want to ask her. Yeah, so let's talk about Alice Notley's poem, All My Life. Um, I first heard it um, on Penn's website, where they have all of those recordings of poets reading. Um, I think there's a recording of Alice Notley reading it in 1980-something, probably before I was born. All my life, since I was 10, I've been waiting to be in this hell here with you. All I've ever wanted, and still do. And it's one of those poems, I think, that sort of does what poetry kind of we talk about poetry doing is it immediately sort of enters you in this way that feels 
kind of transformative. Mm-hmm. And it's so short. I remember the first time I I heard the poem, too. I heard it before I read it. And um, my best friend at the time, Laura Solomon, who's a poet, um, she put it on a mixtape for me, like at the beginning before there were any songs. So it was like almost this invocation before the the songs. And, um, you know, I just remember being struck by it and the way that Alice Notley read it. Because the way she reads the word hell um, is so fantastic. And that's like... Kind of my favorite part, except for the ending also. But I love when she mentions hell. Oh, yeah. And I feel like it sneaks up on you Mm -hmm. because this poem kind of, I don't know, gently slithers into your ear. And all of a sudden, that word hell is like this this flame that kind of sets your, your head on fire. And, you know, it's interesting because... And I know we're going to talk about witches in depth in a moment, but a lot of the poetry that I gravitated towards as a kid had this kind of hellacious, Mm. devilish kind of vibe to it. And as someone who was raised Jewish Mm. without any like devils or hell in it at all, there's always been kind of this romantic notion Mm. of hell to me. So I, I really, really love this poem. I think it's Um, So simple and yet so incendiary. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's funny because I was raised Jewish, too. So for me, the hell is so exciting, too. And I've always been a big (laughs) fan of Satan and, you know, the devil, all those forms, I think, because maybe our like the way that we think about hell was always so abstract and nebulous. So it just seems like a fun party. Whereas maybe if you grow up with other religions, you know, hell is something truly to be feared. Well, I grew up Catholic and I feel like I. I, well, the first book I gravitated towards really was Sharon Olds' Satan Says. I was just going to bring that up. Because of the cover. Yes. It was just like this red cover with like the gothic lettering Satan yep. Says. So anytime really there's a mention of hell, I get very excited too. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a Catholic, you're like supposed to be so scared of hell. But when you're like gay and Catholic and already going there, you just kind of want to know what's it going to be like. You Maybe know? that's what we all have in common. We're, We're all, all damned. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I hope so. Yeah. I can't wait. I think that Satan definitely is a Sagittarius and I'm all for it. You know, Me too. Part, yeah. <laughs> I can't animal. wait to be in hell with Alice Notley, <laughs> yeah. too. What a great person yeah. to be in hell with. I love the ending, too. Like, that it's like, you know, all she, all the persona, excuse me, has ever wanted and still do. I always think of that about, like, the idea of being a poet. Like, you know, all you've ever wanted was to go, you know, deep into hell. And, like, even though it sometimes sucks to be a poet, you still want it no matter yeah. what. Mm-hmm. I guess you could transfer a poet to any, you know, thing that, uh, any passion or any art form or profession that somebody does like when you still want to do it or you know or like a love like a love affair that's like you can't control you still want it despite everything I think that this poem is about being a poet and the fact that you can't help but do it right and that's why it's so powerful um and when she says this hell here with you it also feels like it could be a lover Mm-hmm. But it could also just be everybody else writing poetry or doing magic or whatever. Or it could be spirit, capital S, yes. spirit. Who knows? But I love what happens to my brain as well because we get to the word hell and then I double back and I'm like, wait, sh- since she was 10. Yeah. yeah. And the word 10 and the word hell, mm-hmm. they're such short little words with that E in the middle. And yet, like, to think of a 10-year-old being associated with hell is really evocative. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's also you. Usually a time, not always, but I mean, I know for myself, like I kind of started writing 
writing poetry when I was like seven. So it's like this time, you know, it's like this time where you're figuring out who you are and the spirits are calling for you. Like they kind of give you a reprieve up until that point. But when you're double digits, they're like all bets are off. Oh, for so, you know, sure. You're a poet. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I, I write a lot about the archetype of the teen witch because mm-hmm. I yeah. think it's around that preteen, teen age that suddenly people get interested in in forbidden things and they want to tap into this power that maybe is latent in them or maybe feels very secret and private. And maybe that's the power of expressing yourself or having your own opinion. Maybe it's practicing some sort of witchcraft in a more literal sense. But totally. I don't know. Those images come up to me or for me rather when I read this poem too. It's also like a very sexy poem. And I think that like that's like Scorpio. by the end of it. Scorpio. Yeah. By the end of it, you kind of understand. Like you, this is the kind of poem that you send to somebody after like a first date if you're crazy. <laughs> and you're like, if you see me again, we're going to be in hell together, baby. Yeah. You know? I'd love to send this after a first date. Me too. Yeah, I'm waiting for the first date where I can send this poem. So now we're going to talk about <laughs> Pam's birth chart. I'm and so excited about yeah. this, guys. I mean, oh, I God. wanted to talk to you anyway, but this was a real carrot on a stick to get <laughs> totally. here, I have to say. I'm really excited because I don't meet... So you're an Aquarius sun, mm-hmm. and I don't meet that many Aquarians with the water moon. I know. Mm-hmm. Right? And we and I just say, I know, you know, maybe we haven't said this yet as it was being recorded, we are so compatible, all of us. We are, like, very, <laughs> very compatible because we're both... We all have water moons, so we, and we're all, like, signs that are more, you know, traditionally outgoing or yep. whatever, you know, with Aquarius and Sag and Aries and people think of us as being really fun or party centric or that sort of thing. But we all have this hidden side yes. that's like deeply emotional. We're trying to hide and, and all that stuff. So that's really, um, that's always really good. I'm always really excited when people have a water moon and they're a compatible sign. We're all like perfect matches. True. And Alex has Aquarius rising. I do. I have Aquarius oh, rising. So excellent. I think that I present as an Aquarius, which for me is the sort of more aloof side of me Mm -hmm. but you also so your mercury is in pisces and that's mercury's your communication how you engage with the world um and you're very warm thank you what a lovely thing (laughs) to say so yeah no totally i feel your pisces energy for sure i'm a pisces moon so um Um, yeah, and so um, so we see you have a rising Gemini. So that is also really exciting for our group. Not that it's all about how we're getting along. We're taking this on I mean, the road. I don't know any other people but you guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Well, Dottie's an expert with Geminis, actually. Yeah, no, I love Geminis. And I love like when Aquarius and Gemini are together in someone's chart. I know I mentioned like an old boyfriend who I love so much. Born February 15th, the day of our, you know, the other Pamela mm-hmm. magical Pamela. Yes. Um, but um, he had a Gemini moon and was an Aquarius. And I love the way, you know, those two air signs reverberate. So it's so exciting because, yeah, you seem very talkative and charismatic and trying to get along with, you know, everyone. And then, like, when you meet the Aquarius, it's not that different a person or whatever. Thank Just, you. Yeah. yeah. I sometimes feel like I have to apologize for my chart ahead of time <laughs> because it is a little bit strange. Um, but I like to think that having the Gemini and the Cancer in there kind of softens the Aquarius stuff because I I definitely identify as an Aquarius yeah. and I always have just as like a weirdo. What does that mean for you? Yeah. Like when you say softens, um, because 
I feel like people have always talked about Aquarians as being aloof and very, you know, such an individual that they can be selfish and all about themselves. And of course, I have those aspects to my personality sometimes, too. But I like to think (laughs) that the Cancer moon and the Gemini rising help me from being too self-centered and help me from, like, being too detached. Yeah. So I don't know. That's kind of the story I've made up for myself. Aquarians are always, misunderstood in a way. Because I feel like their detachment isn't, I never think of their detachment as like selfish. I always think of it as very protective of a kind of headspace that nobody sees on the outside that's constantly going on. And I actually think it's so special because not a lot of signs have that. Mm -hmm. Because it's a very, you're totally calculating, you're like a scientist of emotions. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. I think another way of putting it is like, I'm riddled with anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely something I have to work through sometimes. <laughs> well, but. who isn't? It's hard not to be riddled with anxiety in the times we're living. And I was thinking that this morning. I was like, I feel so anxious. And I was like, who wouldn't be anxious right now? It's just like a very nerve wracking period. Exactly. Of, um, history and the world absolutely and i think anxiety is also aliveness and i would rather be anxious than numb but it still can obviously hurt a lot more too yeah and also i think you know people that are like occult practitioners we're already sensing the invisible so you know sometimes there's a lot of invisible energies that are bad or good or whatever we're just like hyper aware and that's like a positive thing i feel like sometimes that's treated as like a negative quality in a personality but i think you're right there's an aliveness and the the opposite is to like be flatline and not sense it at all of course we know the dead can sense stuff too but in like not as you know not as like excited about what's going on but I was just thinking like Aquarians you know um, are so obsessive I feel like that's the reason that is true (laughs) they they get so obsessed with you know people and things and ideas that that can sometimes be what people perceive as aloof you know because they're really deeply focused yeah yeah yeah. and we go down rabbit holes Mm. I am the queen of rabbit holes (laughs) totally I love research I love things that link to other things I get very obsessed in a in a mostly beautiful way but of course the shadow side to obsession is you can ruminate and that mm. can certainly give you all kinds of weird anxieties and and yeah. blow up in your mind all I kinds of I feel like that things. energy is really positive for like someone who's a creative person or a poet or a witch I mean anxiety is sort of a lot of the times where poems come from mm-hmm. obsession is a lot of the times where poems come from and I, so I think that energy is kind of useful for us even though it makes us you know kind of like it's hard to be in the world but when you're sort of just with that alone trying to make something it's good absolutely anything can be a tool right i mean if you if you sharpen it and hone it just you know don't don't stick yourself in the leg with it (laughs) (laughs) and you mentioned that you are with a sagittarius Yes. Okay, it's okay uh, to publicly mention. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> and the signs. We'll, I don't know. We'll do a press release. I am married. I am married to you a married Sagittarius. How'd you do that? Yeah. Commitment Being issues. Aquarius. Oh yeah. my goodness. He's such a sweet pie. Yeah. yeah he's he's a, and he has a really weird chart. Do you too. know his moon? Um. Oh gosh. I know his Venus is in Scorpio, oh, which wow. is complicated. Um, well, yours yeah. is in Aquarius. His moon is in Aquarius. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, so you guys are kind of perfect in your love match. 
cross the Venus and Mars, you know, of people to find their love match and your Mars is in Pisces. And if his Venus is in Scorpio, there's like some great compatibility oh, there good. too. And yeah. We'll wait to find out his Mars to know the other thing. But. Okay. Okay. Well, I always That'll find a whole that, like, other episode. <laughs> yeah. Sam Grohl's husband. Sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> you know what? He That's was fine. He I was did. a guest on my podcast. Okay. So I will say he's a fascinating little weirdo. All right. I love no. him to pieces. But um, let's have him. Yeah. <laughs> let's bring him over. Wait, he's a Sag with an Aquarius moon. He is Britney Spears. Yeah. And that and that's one of Alex's great loves. Is True. Britney Spears. Oh yeah. my God. But, you know, my husband that, is Britney Spears. The other thing that I find is whatever your moon is in, you're very drawn to that sun sign in another person. Like mm-hmm. I'm a Pisces moon. I'm very drawn to Pisces people. Yes. Because like the sun sign is kind of an explosion of the moon. Yes, which is yes, like yes. this distillation of who you are. And I mean, I know that Dottie has the same thing with Scorpio. Yes, I just love Scorpios. Having a Scorpio moon, You're, the moon sign is always like a secret way. You probably know this to know what people who, you really are actually attracted mm. to. And like when you know someone's moon sign, you know what like their weaknesses are. And I know my weaknesses are Scorpio. I don't know if your weaknesses are Cancers, but I I do love Cancer. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, do if I too. could just like hang out and like. I don't want to bake, but I want them to bake <laughs> exactly. for me. And you know they would. <laughs> exactly. The problem is that's all they do, probably. <laughs> not or are we going to throw shade at signs? Because yes. if so, I will say, I have a lot of Scorpios in my life, mm. but I find Scorpios to be so fucking proud of being Scorpios. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. we get it. Yeah, totally. You're mysterious, <laughs> yeah. little baby. You know what I mean? Like, they just think they're so dark and like so. And I, I love them, mm-hmm. but I feel like, you know, just be a Scorpio. Scorpio and be chill about yeah, it. Yeah, be like a sexy Scorpio <laughs> and just sit there while I paint a picture of you. But they can be very boring. I think that's a the thing. They, really? Yeah. Dottie like, thinks I'm they can be very boring. Very boring. boring. Yes. So boring. I wish they'd be boring with me, but they are just like, yeah, very But I think they think they're interesting. They're performative. Yes. I think that Scorpios, since they, they know they're Scorpios, they, they're so performative. And then when you get them one-on-one, there's just like this thing. I totally agree with Dottie. There is like this sort of undercurrent that is like very basic. <gasps> and then you're like, <laughs> I just was hoping that this would be more exciting. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue to interview the fabulous Pam Grossman. Please stay tuned. So we're back with Pam Grossman, and we're going to talk with her about witches and the occult. And her new book, which is just out, the Gemini book that we talked about called Waking the Witch. Thank you. I was reading the, um, just the introduction to your book, and you were talking about how the way you feel about witches is sort of says a lot about the way you feel about women which I found to be fascinating and true. And you talk about the rise of feminism and how oftentimes that's sort of aligned with, um, you know, just like witches coming into public consciousness. And I was wondering if you could say a little bit more about that. Absolutely. And actually, the the line I believe I wrote is, show me your witches and I'll show you your feelings about women. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not just me. I think witches tell us how we feel about women. And 
both our fears and our fantasies about feminine power. And and so I feel like the more comfortable we become with female power and the more we romanticize it even or aspire to it, suddenly our stories that we're telling have these really positive images of witches. And yet in storytelling devices that have witches as villains, it's often a reflection of our anxieties about feminine power. Totally. Um, and, and certainly if you trace the different waves of feminism, with every wave, there has been a renewed interest in the witch as a more sympathetic figure. We saw that starting in the 19th century. And, and I love telling people this. Um, I write about this in chapter one of the book. There's a woman named Matilda Jocelyn Gage. She was a suffragist and an abolitionist. She wrote an incredible book called Woman, Church, and State. Oh, wow. And in that book, she basically puts forth this notion. She didn't invent it. She got it from some other writers. But she puts forth this notion that the church basically invented the concept of the witch because they were so threatened by women. And, you know, she felt that people who were accused of being witches during the witch hunts were, in fact, the most brilliant feminine minds of their age. Now, we know that's probably not actually true. It's just a romantic notion that she had. And yet, this romantic notion went on to influence her son-in-law, L. Frank Baum, who went on to write The Wonderful Wizard of Oz Mm -hmm. and invent the concept in fiction of good witches. Um, So, you know, and the story continues from there. So I think that pop culture is actually a really important ingredient in the ways we conceptualize witches and feminine power overall. It's so interesting that you say, you talk about how feminine power is threatening because as, um, as like a poet and as a gay kid growing up, I was most attracted to feminine power mm-hmm. through the imagery of like witches. Yes. And I think that like I remember even being like five and having a Pez that was like the witch, like <laughs> yes. the wicked witch. And I only wanted to play with that Pez and not like the other ones because I was so enchanted by the fact that it had so much power. The witch had so much power in my imagination. Yes. Mm. Well, you know, one um, thread that goes through your book that I think relates to all of this is this idea of identifying as a witch Mm -hmm. and what that means, you know, for the person talking the book, which is you, you know, and in your own life and just like in general, what does it mean for, um, you know, for a person to kind of come out and say, I'm a witch and deal with the public's reaction to that. Yes. One thing I... you know, I have been thinking about is um, how that's like kind of um, the way that you discuss it in the book. There's sort of like an empowerment um, component of it that there's like, you know, to to say that you're one with this practice or to say you're a pagan to say you're a witch. There's like this way that you're connecting to this undercurrent of spirits and people that have come before you kind of like, you know, your spiritual ancestors mm-hmm, or something. Mm-hmm. And that can be such like a, a wonderful thing. And I wonder, like, you know, do you think that everyone can be a witch that that wants to be you know um it, or is it only those of us that have been called to it or not or yeah you know yeah you know it's interesting i think this is almost like a self-selecting archetype because when i say sure anybody can be a witch 
I mean, theoretically, yes, because there is no gatekeeper for witchcraft. Mm -hmm. There's no pope of witchcraft. Some of us do go through initiations. But there are a lot of people who are now using the word witch as an identifier, not even because they're necessarily practitioners of witchcraft, but because they see themselves as feminists or nasty women or whatever. No, I I don't actually. I Mm. think it's really valuable. Um, But I think it takes a certain kind of person to even want to call themselves a witch. And if you have that association with the word that's positive or romantic or rebellious in a, in a, a healing, empowering way, right. I, then I think, you know, why not call yourself why not? a witch? I, wonder, I don't though, own the word. Totally. I, I was thinking about the relationship to that word with the word poet. Mm-hmm. But I was also just thinking about, because, you know, in a way, that's a self-selecting thing, too. Yes. And you talk about in the book how at some point your boss or a colleague turns to you and says, are you a good witch? Yes. And you're like, oh, God, like in a way you want to you don't want to engage with it because you know that in some ways the conversation is just there to alleviate her fear about witches. And I think that's in, in very similar ways when someone asks you, what do you do? And you say, I'm a poet. There's this kind of anxiety because you know, poetry oftentimes to people means a kind of code, a kind of language they can't access. Mm -hmm. And so there's like that mystery just like with witchcraft or just like with being a witch. But I was wondering how you feel about the fact that I think it seems like capitalism has in some ways taken that word witch and put it in front of us in all these different manifestations, whether it's like a pop star, whether it's like on TV. Do you think all of that is positive or are there, do you cringe sometimes when you see like, I don't know, someone calling themselves a witch very flippantly? Or like, you know, in Halloween when there's all kinds of like witch accoutrements Mm -hmm. or whatever that people are selling mass market, is that part of like a problem of this like mystification of a witch that you know is like a bad thing is you know yeah yeah I mean I think these are two different things so do quote unquote basic bitches calling themselves (laughs) witches like does that bother me okay we're getting some poetry in here I mean I can kind of compartmentalize it because there's things that might just like annoy me or make me roll my eyes on a personal level but when I kind of try to access my highest self I think you know what them doing that doesn't it might like annoy me but it doesn't actually harm anybody Mm. and everybody has to start somewhere so if Mm. some like some like who am I to judge some lady who's who who I might not want to hang out with, but she really suddenly wants to call herself a witch? I don't know. Maybe this will be an entry point for her to access some depths or go on some you know journey that she needs to go on to raise her consciousness. So I, I really try to not be too judgmental about that. I think that's different, though, than the capitalistic piece where now, you know, I don't have a problem with, like, Urban Outfitters selling shirts with witches on them or witchy (laughs) quotes or anything. Um, What I do have a problem with is more around cultural appropriation um, and also around people who position themselves as kind of like 
witch experts or magic experts and charge a lot of money for their yeah. services when they actually don't have that expertise. Right. Um, so, so there's a lot of problematic behavior that swirls around the topic of witches, especially when we get into witches and commercialism and, and capitalism um, that we can, you know, unpack all day long. But when it comes to someone just calling themselves a witch, you know, I might not like it, but like, who am I? You know what I mean? That's really up to them. It's interesting because um, this is a question I think that you've probably gotten this question too, but sometimes people ask me like, does it bother you that there are um, all these like Instagram poets? Yes, that I was all, just thinking yeah, that. Yeah, all of a sudden, I won't name names. I don't even know if I know many oh. names. So, but I, I can think of, yeah. of a couple names. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. can too, but let's not say them because yeah, they're no, not no, that let's good. Not say, no, of we course don't even, not. And you know, does it bother you that poetry is somehow not being this like high art that you've devoted your yeah. life to and you know studying mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, and like you know is that a problem and I think my answer is very similar yeah. when, when I'm like no because if that's their entry point into poetry that's all that I want yes. so that's fine you know let, and let them share their poetry with people that that's only could be a good thing that's not hurting poetry the more poetry the better and I feel like it is you know in some ways that's true for like a lot of things but probably true for witchcraft very too. much so I mean for me the more people who are interested in witchcraft um, I actually think it's good for society. I really believe that witches are the future because they represent, you know, whether whether you're approaching witchcraft from a spiritual standpoint or a fashion standpoint <laughs> or a political standpoint, it represents a counterpoint to patriarchal oppression or I should say white cis heteronormative patriarchal yeah. oppression. We can also add Christian to that <laughs> too. For sure. Um, and I have no problem with any of those words or even all of those words together together but when that is the only point of view when it's the dominant mode yeah, I, I mean, think that that's a great that's point that's really toxic yeah. and so I'm actually really delighted by hashtag witches of Instagram mm-hmm. I'm like yeah. go you know get it make your magic be proud and, and yeah. there's also I think the difference between poetry and witchcraft is, is that, there one? <laughs> well, there, I think there's not in a lot of ways. I think creativity and magic are deeply related to each other, Truly. if not the same thing sometimes. Yes. I will say that the word witch does have an element of danger and life-threatening aspects to it, not just in history with the witch yeah. hunts, but around the world today. You can mm. still get killed mm-hmm. or kicked out of your family or your church yeah. or community for being called a witch or calling yourself yeah. a witch. Um and so for me, the more people who are like living out and proud, the s- safer, I don't mean safe in that there's still not like a frisson of mystery mm-hmm. and all that good stuff, but but literally safer people like me are. Mm-hmm. So I think it's beautiful for people to be practicing witchcraft or embodying the witch in public ways. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's magnificent. And for me, no matter how public I am, there's still part of my practice that is just for me that I will never share. Honestly, because yeah. half of it wouldn't even make sense. You know, yeah. like you come up with your own <laughs> symbolic systems and your own spell craft. Similarly, I would imagine to some of your poems. There no, might absolutely. be some that you know are only for you and you're never going to publish. Well, I was thinking too, just like, when we were talking about Instagram poets, I mean, I definitely think of Instagram as a space where I use language. I yes. wouldn't necessarily say that I post poems on there, but I do post a lot of things that are just language. I think maybe unlike 
Dottie a little bit in terms of what she was saying about Instagram poets, I do find them very unserious. The people that call themselves Instagram poets, I do take a little bit of an offense to that just because I know, I mean, you're super serious about your witchcraft and I know we're super serious about poetry. There is this aspect, I think, sometimes of capitalism to kind of like glorify something and then move on. And then I always wonder when it moves on, has it what has it done for the actual ancient thing that's always been there like witchcraft like poetry and to me i just think um i mean i would just wonder if Do you those think it pe- cheapens it i don't think it cheapens the actual thing like poetry itself but i do think that sometimes i wonder about the people that call themselves like Instagram poets or like are sort of like in that sphere, how much poetry actually means to them. Yeah. Um, But again, I go back to like, okay, let's say they discard witchcraft or they discard poetry. That's okay. The people who really are serious about it will keep doing it and making the magic and the work that we're meant to be making. So I I don't know. I'm not too, I try not to be too fussed with, with that stuff, but that's just a personal thing. And it, that doesn't mean I don't have my moments of yeah. it being annoying. But the way I think about it is, all right, you know, the the occult goes in and out of vogue all the time. Absolutely. Um, and it's still it's, there whether or not it's in vogue it, or not. That's exactly yeah. it. And poetry will always be exactly. there. We're so not gonna get poetry will poetry. always be there. Yeah. I guess yeah. I just mean like, you know, like a spell is different than a Hallmark card. A poem is different than is a Hallmark it? card. Is it? I'm not I sure. I think so. I'm not sure. Oh, here is our next segment. <laughs> Dottie and Alex disagree. We have a segment of disagree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but I think they're really worthwhile questions. And, you know, it's interesting. Alex, you said we're all serious people. I'm both, like, serious and not at all. Yeah. Like, there's the same, a f- by the way. There, yeah. There's a phrase that I use all the time on my own podcast. People are probably sick of hearing me say it, but it's reverent irreverence and that's really the position that I try to take when I'm approaching pretty much anything but especially things I care deeply about which is like I take this so seriously but also like what the fuck do I know so let's have fun you know what I mean there's like irony yeah for (laughs) sure I think that irony is a really important thing to interject just like play and joy I feel like none of us know anything so we might as well enjoy ourselves Mm -hmm. but I also take things really seriously like I don't know and I think that kind of you know quote unquote both and approach is one of the reasons that I I love witches so much is because and maybe also my Gemini-ness is like (laughs) talking here, which is, you know, you can hold opposites to be true. You can hold two things to be true or multitudes to be true. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the tension between that is interesting. Like, I love how witchcraft honors light and shadow and both are holy. But see, that's lovely. And that's exactly what I think like something like an Instagram poet lacks. The language needs to hold both certainty and uncertainty but when you're like putting a hallmark card out there it's like no this is shit i i feel like it's not for us to this is my personal yeah view, it's not for us to judge whether that poem is good or bad i mean we may have well, who's the, it for to judge 
Well, I, I, I just feel like if somebody's posting Instagram poems from ages 21 to 23 and then they leave the art form and they go, you know, I don't know, <laughs> to be an accountant, which is a great job, by the way, we should all be accountants. Um, We'd make some money. <laughs> at least at least the, for that time, it's like produced a tenderness in them towards poetry. Mm-hmm. So, you know, poetry is going to come back to them and find them again. Maybe they'll be 50 years old, you know, when they least expect it poetry will come back and be their friend and so like if you planted that seed at that point it's maybe only a good thing I also want to just say the obvious point which is like the three of us are sitting here now talking about our books on our podcasts or whatever (laughs) like drinking like poetry and the occult like being you know interesting to people right now that is very helpful to those of us <laughs> who Definitely. have yes. bills to pay who have devoted our lives to this and mm-hmm. and you know that's why look I wouldn't call it selling out because I think it's possible to make money with integrity doing things you love. It's hard to do, but I think that yes. the three of us are doing that. Uh, Trying and, to. Yeah. yeah. And many, well, many more speak people. Speak for yourselves but... about integrity. But... <laughs> yeah, but... we have an Aries here. Integrity <laughs> might be out the window. Touche, touche. But, you know, but I will say, like, you know, the pragmatic part of me is like, great. I'm glad people are interested in witches. That really works out for me because boy do I have a lot to say about them um so yeah yeah bring it on bring on the interest Well, we're so sad that we have to wrap up the show for today. Um, We just want to thank Pam Grossman for being so fantastic. We love you so much. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Our favorite Aquarius. Yeah, our favorite Aquarius. Wow, high praise. Favorite interviewee or whatever (laughs) um, uh, guest, I guess is the word. Um, But thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it so much. I had so much fun. Thank you both so much. I am such a huge fan of both of you (laughs) So this was a complete joy. I know that your book came out already on June 4th, so it's out there. Yes, Waking the Witch. Go pick it up. Um, it's it's flying around. Uh, it's it's here in the U.S., it's in the U.K., and it's coming to other regions soon, which is really yes. exciting. And then, yeah, give my podcast a little listen yeah. if you're interested. The Witch Wave. Um, and hopefully I'll be hearing some familiar voices on that podcast soon. I'd love and to And you talk you about poetry, on. too. Yes. Indeed. And something to pick up also are your emojis. Yes. I have Pam's emojis. Which and emojis? Awesome. I do too. Yay. Yeah, because I sent yeah. them to you and yes. you got them. Yeah, yeah, they are so good. Thank you. The, everybody needs them immediately. You all need witch emojis. Like, they're yeah, so to, beautiful. Go to witchemoji.com. Okay. And you can find out about all this and more on my website, pamgrossman.com. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. So we want to thank Pam Grossman for coming on our show. Thank you so much, Pam. Yeah, thank you, Pam Grossman, for coming on our show. Yeah, and this podcast is hosted by me, Dorothy Alaski, And me, Alex Dimitrov. It's produced by Becky Celestina. And if you like it, please subscribe and rate us on your podcast app. Give us five stars. 
Or if you want, call our voicemail at 646-397-7573 and we may play it on a future episode. Or if you want, send a voice memo to astropodcast at macmillan.com. And we are going to have a segment where we're going to be playing your recordings, so we can't wait to get some of your questions and we'll, you know, answer questions on that future segment. Yeah, and we assume that you already follow us on Twitter, but if you don't, we are Poet Astrologers on Twitter. So if you're digging the sound of our voices, you can um, take it some time to pre-order our audiobook for our book that's coming out, which is Astro Poets, Your Guides to the Zodiac. The, the audiobook and the um, written book, the textbook, are both out on the <laughs> same day on October 29th. So you can have a kind of multi-sensorial experience um, with the book. You could be listening to us read it to you. It could be like story time. I'm really all in for that. Yeah, and Dottie's going to read the chapters she wrote, and I'm going to read the chapters that I wrote. Yes, yes. So you can really hear it straight from the voice, as they say. Um, so if you want to find out more information about pre-ordering our book or our audiobook, go to astropoetsbook.com or follow the link in our show notes. For more information about Macmillan's other shows, go to macmillanpodcast.com. That's M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N podcast.com. Thank you for listening and we'll see you in two weeks. See you then. See you on the airwaves. See you on the airwaves. <laughs> <laughs>